Hello, this is Courtney Given with Mindset for Medical Moms, episode 11, How I'm Preparing for My Daughter's Surgery. Welcome to Mindset for Medical Moms. I'm your host, Courtney Given, fellow medical mom and life coach. I'm here to help you handle everything from doctor's appointments to surgery so you can feel confidence and peace as you navigate the ups and downs of medical motherhood. This podcast will share strategies and real life tools to strengthen your mindset and increase your emotional resilience. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, beautiful mamas. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. I am really excited to to talk to you today because today I'm going to be answering one of the most common questions I get and I'm going to share how I'm preparing for my daughter's upcoming open heart surgery. And before I start, I need to ask you for a favor. If this podcast has helped you in any way, would you please leave a review on the podcast app you're using? I would just be so, so grateful. And this helps others find the podcast and lets me know I am helping you and what is working for you. I also really, really love being tagged on Instagram and Facebook, um, which podcast episodes you like, which ones are most helpful for you. I love getting that feedback from moms who are benefiting from it. I am so grateful for you for listening to these podcasts every week. I know your time is valuable. You are a mom. You are using your time to listen to me. So that is a huge, huge gift. And I really appreciate you sharing my podcast. And I want you to know that when I look at my podcast numbers... I don't think of you guys as a statistic. I love to visualize the women on the other side of those numbers. I imagine you with your sweet kiddos, and I am very thoughtful when I try to pick out the episode topics. I really try to do it with intention and try to pick things that I think will be most helpful for you all. And if you ever have a podcast request, or a specific topic you want to hear about, please send me a message on Instagram. My DMs are always open and I would love to talk about the things that are most prominent in your life right now. One of the topics I'm frequently messaged about is actually how I'm preparing for Zola's heart defect, um, Zola's heart surgery, not defect. And it's common and I do share sometimes how I'm navigating this upcoming surgery. And so that's what I really want to have like this one spot to explain and how I am using my own tools in my own life. And that's what I'm going to teach here today. I'm going to give you my top three tools that I use. And I'm going to share how I apply them in my life and then how you can apply them in yours as well. And even if you don't have a child preparing for surgery, You might have other testing, therapies, appointments, anything really that you might be feeling anxious about, and these can be used for that too. Okay, tool number one. I don't think this will come as a surprise to most of you who are tuning in regularly or following me closely on Instagram. 
But the number one tool I want you to apply and what I apply as well is feel your feelings. Okay? Do not try to positively think your way out of feeling bad. Sometimes you actually just want to feel bad. In fact, I would say it's appropriate to feel bad a little bit and then you will feel good. This is where the phrase like toxic positivity comes from because we demonize negative emotions and negative emotions are not bad. I know it's a little bit of an oxymoron because negative equals bad in that conversation, but positive emotions and negative emotions have no value, right? And this is what, this is the opposite of most of us have been taught. Crying, being sad, angry was punished when I was a child. And I know a lot of you can also relate to that. And so as adults, when we feel upset about something that's going on, we feel like we are doing something wrong or something is bad. We feel that we are bad and we need to fix ourselves. We need to fix whatever is going on. We feel the need to correct ourselves by ignoring our feelings. And we say things like, everything is going to be fine. I shouldn't feel this way. I'm being dramatic. I don't need to get worked up about this. But we don't actually believe any of that. It's very shallow. We don't actually think everything will be fine deep down because we know that there are chances that things go wrong. We have a lot of evidence, especially in the medical community, that things go wrong. We also know that feeling that way is actually normal. Deep down, I think that we know that it's okay to be afraid. But we don't give ourselves permission to do that. And when we argue with the facts, it doesn't help us. When we try to positivity ourselves out of feeling bad, it does not help us. For me, applying this to my own life This looks like paying attention to myself, paying attention to my brain and my behavior. And when I start to feel scared, the first thing I do if I'm not being aware of my brain is to spiral. If I'm ignoring myself, my brain wants to give me a hundred different thoughts at once. And if I'm not careful, I will also start to resist my feelings. I will also start to tell myself not to cry. I will try to ignore and push down the fear. And guess what that does? It only makes things worse. This only makes the feelings bigger and more overwhelming. And here's the secret I wish all medical moms would know. Your feelings cannot hurt you. They are just feelings. And they are meant to be felt. And that's what I've learned to do. I've learned to practice catching myself in these moments. And recognizing, pulling out myself out of that spiral, gaining some awareness of the spiraling thoughts that I'm thinking and saying, oh wait, I'm just experiencing fear. I'm just experiencing anxiety. I name the feeling I'm experiencing. When I recognize what I'm feeling, 
it helps me have more authority over it. Most of the time it's fear. Most of the time I get really caught up in being afraid of what could happen. And I name it and I embrace it. This is fear. I tell myself to allow it. I literally tell myself like I am talking to a child. I tell myself as if I'm talking to third person. Hey, Courtney, you're experiencing fear. Allow it. Allow yourself to feel fear. I also stop arguing with myself. I don't try to argue myself out of whatever spiral I'm in. That will happen later. Not the arguing part, but I can get onto new thoughts later. But right now we're just going to observe the spiral. I stop trying to overthink my thoughts, right? This doesn't mean anything about me. I am normal. I don't try to make this a bigger deal. Like I am overwhelmed or I'm a hot mess or everything's going wrong because I can't get my crap together. None of that helps already other parts about the spiraling that I do, right? That just adds on to more drama, adds on to the chaos in my brain. And all I need to do really is to just let myself feel afraid. That's the only goal in those moments. The only goal when you feel yourself overwhelmed with a big emotion or feeling like you're spiraling, do not try to fix the spiral. Recognize that you are feeling overwhelmed, feeling intense emotions, and then feel them. Don't resist them because that spiral, the reason why it's so overwhelming is because you are resisting them. You're trying to argue yourself out of them or you are trying to think positively or just stop yourself from crying and you shove it down. Literally, we just shove it. Sometimes it's with Netflix or food or with alcohol or whatever. We try to numb ourselves so we're not feeling the feelings. This actually recently just happened with me. I had climbed into bed, started drifting off to sleep, and then boom, I had a ton of thoughts about how we have so many unknown pieces in the next few months of our life. And COVID makes things so much more challenging than the last time we went through surgery. And then I thought about how we were going to navigate this with other children and childcare and being away from our kids. And it all felt very heavy and very scary and overwhelming. And I tried to make a plan immediately. And let me tell you, the worst time to make a plan for your future is when you're laying in bed at 11 p.m. on the verge of crying. (laughs) But that's what our brains do. Our brain wants to fix things because it believes that by fixing something outside of us, changing our circumstances, we will feel better because that's all we want. We just want to stop feeling the negative emotion. But the only thing, the only way to do that is by feeling it. We don't need to fix anything. The feelings won't go away. It's normal to feel afraid about an open heart surgery for your child. It's appropriate to have a mixed bag of emotions. The emotions are not the problem. What we don't like is our reaction to the emotion because our emotions create our behavior. And when we are anxious and we're not feeling the anxiety, we react to the anxiety 
and we do things we don't like. We numb ourselves. We um, zone out. We withdraw. We're snappy. We're rude. We don't do the things we want to do in our daily lives and we feel like a hot mess. And it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. So before any planning or strategizing happens, which I personally do not want to do at 11 p.m. with the main thing that's driving my behavior is fear. I have to feel my emotions. I have to feel my feelings. And that night I started feeling myself resist them and I was kind of going down the spiral of like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. This is ridiculous. This is so overwhelming. And then I recognize that resistance, that feeling in my body. It feels like a thin layer of concrete that's on my chest, on the front part of my body. And it feels like I'm just like pushing myself up against a wall. And then I have to give myself relief. I have to let go of that resistance. And I give myself permission to feel anything that I am currently feeling. Anything that comes up. If I'm feeling scared, that's okay. If I'm feeling worried, that's allowed. If I'm feeling nervous, that's appropriate. If I'm feeling grateful, awesome. If I'm feeling prepared, awesome. If I'm feeling angry, awesome. My job is to recognize and manage those feelings. Anything that comes up is allowed because feelings have to be felt. It's just a fact. So I want you to give yourself permission to feel anything that comes up in a season where you are going through a lot of things, especially like preparing for a surgery or procedure. There is no right mix of emotions that you're supposed to feel before heart surgery for your child. There's no manual for medical motherhood. And I always want to share with you that you're allowed to not feel scared too. You don't have to feel worried all the time either. And sometimes that happens as well, where we're on the flip side. And we're like, yeah, actually, you know, I feel afraid every once in a while, but I'm, I'm mostly okay. And then we think, oh, something's wrong with me. Right? On the other end, we want to just feel okay. And then when we feel okay, we're like, oh, we're a terrible mom. Mom guilt. <laughs> and it's silly because we just get to decide. When Zola was preparing for her second open heart surgery, we were asked a lot if we were scared and worried. And of course, there was an element of fear and scarcity and scaredness. And I, but I wasn't afraid or worried all the time. In fact, because of the situation we were in with Jeff and Gray being in Hawaii, and me being in California, I wanted to get this surgery behind us. I wanted to move forward. I was ready for the surgery. So I wasn't necessarily only afraid there were other emotions there too. And it's important to recognize what other things are up, up there in us too. What else is going on up in your brain? There might be more than just fear, right? There might be actually some preparedness, some readiness, some gratitude. And those are all really important to recognize and feel. Practice feeling that too. You don't have to try to do things the right way, right? There's no right way to handle your child's surgery. There are some things that you want to be able to do, right? And that's what I think I would propose for this 
um, tool is to ask yourself, how do you want to feel going into this? What kind of emotions are you going to try to channel as you prepare for surgery? I know I don't want fear being my main motivator through this time of our lives as we are planning to move temporarily as we are going to be separated from our other kids I don't want fear to be my main go-to emotion I want there to be other emotions that are going to help me in this season of life especially um, the closer we get right closer we get, the more I want to have practiced feeling my emotions. So that when we are in the thick of it, I am prepared to feel terrible and also feel calm and gratitude. Don't beat yourself up over what you're feeling. It's all okay. You are not doing medical motherhood incorrectly. There is no such thing. Okay, the second thing I'm doing is grounding myself in the present by practicing acceptance. One of the principles I feel really compelled to talk about of medical motherhood is creating a grounded foundation for yourself. Anchoring ourselves to tools and resources that allow us to stay present and calm. And one of those things, one of those ways to do that is by practicing acceptance. The opposite of acceptance is denial. And when we deny reality, we hurt ourselves. This looks like arguing with your reality. And if you've chosen for your child to have a surgery, that is your reality. And sometimes you might argue with it and say things like, This should not be happening. This is so unfair. We shouldn't have to go through this. Why us? Why them? Now, I have several podcast episodes on grief and your child's diagnosis. So I would really encourage you to go listen to those as well. But this is different than just grieving, right? Listen to the grief podcast to understand that. What I'm describing is this position we put ourselves in where we are acting as if the surgery or procedure is happening to us. Not to us physically, but as if we don't have a choice in the matter. Like this is just being thrust upon us. As if we are being forced to have this happen to our child. And when we fall into this mindset, we give up our own power in the situation. We give up our own authority in this situation. We ignore the past decisions that we've made intentionally that has led us here. And we throw ourselves a really lovely pity party. You don't need a pity party though. And you don't need to feel sorry for yourself. What is more helpful? I will tell you. Self-compassion. When we argue with what is happening in front of us, we fall into this pity party. And sometimes it's hard to get out of because people will agree with us. You go talk to your friend or your neighbor or a stranger and you just start word vomiting all these things that you're overwhelmed with and they'll tell you, 
Yes, that is too hard for you to deal with. Yes, why is that happening to you? That is so unfair. And the problem with that is that those things are unhelpful for you. That does not help your resilience. That does not help your mental health to think that this is so unfair and that you shouldn't be going through this. Because the truth is, you are going through this. This is happening. This is real. When you're self-compassionate, you figure out what you need. And you figure out ways to take care of your needs. And one of those is by taking care of your emotions. This ties back into the first tool. Because it's always about our feelings. We take care of our tender feelings. Take care of your needs. Maybe you need to cry it out for a few nights. I had so much unprocessed emotion before Zola's birth that every single night, the week leading up to her induction, I sobbed hysterically. And I did not have any tools to unpack the emotions I was feeling. I didn't want to give birth, which is probably a good episode for another time, but I didn't want to give birth. I felt she was safest inside of me and I just didn't want to do it. That was my main thing. I just didn't want to do it. Looking back, oh, I just wish I would have given myself more compassion, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And instead I felt so overwhelmed and I would lay in bed at night and inevitably I would lay there and I would just sob and sob and sob and I'd wake up feeling exhausted and I would say okay I've got it out and then that night it was again every single night for a week and I think that sometimes it's necessary to just cry this is not about ignoring your emotions this is about managing them and taking care of yourself so rather than feeling hopeless and anxious and dread because I know those emotions are so unhelpful and very, very painful. I try to channel different emotions and that helps me go into a period of time of stress right? I know I'm going to experience stress. And alongside of that, I want the other emotions that I'm feeling to have been dealt with. So this is what I'm doing in my life. Um, In my real day to day life, I'm practicing self compassion. And I am taking care of myself. Some of my favorite ways to take care of myself are through words of affirmation. Um, I like to practice talking to myself really indulgently. I like to be my biggest fan. I'm not the best at this because it's a new um, skill that I'm learning, but I really like to hype myself up and really love on myself. I am self-coaching. I, When I feel stuck, when I feel like I don't know what to do, I don't know how to help myself, that's when I know, oh wait, I need a self-coach. I need to sit down with a piece of paper and journal out my thoughts and see what is unhelpful and see what is the facts and see how I'm arguing with reality. And most importantly, 
I don't try to argue with reality. And that starts by recognizing those facts. Here are some of the facts in my life right now. My daughter is going to have open heart surgery. This is her third open heart surgery that is going to be scheduled. Um, This is a fact. I've talked to doctors who said that she will recover for two to four weeks in the hospital. Now, this isn't, isn't necessarily a fact because of the vagueness. But I like to use this as a fact because um, for planning purposes. And my brain, when it's unmanaged, when I just let it go haywire like a toddler with a marker, it will paint me a very abysmal picture. That two to four weeks could turn into six months. Um, That we're not going to be able to figure out how to find an Airbnb. All the COVID regulations in California are going to be a pain to deal with. Everything is going to be so ridiculous and hard. That's the first, the first rough draft my brain wants to send me. And I say, hey, 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 Courtney, that is so unhelpful. Why are we going to go with that draft? Let's rewrite. Let's go back to that rough draft and figure out something a little better for us. And here are some of the things that I actually find helpful for my mental and emotional health. Because the first draft, not helpful. And here are what I like to do for these circumstances that I'm in. Here are the thoughts that I have about these circumstances that I'm practicing thinking on purpose. I think these with intention because these help me feel differently. The thoughts before about everything being ridiculous has me panicked and feeling like a hot mess and not confident and overwhelmed. And I don't want to go into this season panicked and overwhelmed and like a hot mess. (laughs) I want to go into this calm. I want to go into this grounded. I want to go into this certain that I am planning and make it as seamless and painless as possible for all of the people in my family. So here are the thoughts that I'm thinking on purpose. One, I'm going to start with gratitude because it's really important to me and it's really helpful for me. And gratitude can be tricky because sometimes we try to throw gratitude in there when we don't actually feel grateful. So I want to say that with caution. Don't think that you have to feel grateful. For me, I've practiced gratitude enough where I can know what I can feel grateful for. And the first one is that I am grateful these surgeries exist. I really, truly am. Every day I feel grateful for these surgeries. I feel grateful for the men and women who are incredible kick-ass scientists who have spent their literal lives dedicated to helping children live. Without these surgeries, I don't have my daughter. She has a heart defect that needs surgical correction. That is a fact. And that is a thought that I like to think about a lot. She has a heart defect. That is my reality. And in order for her to live longer, she has to have surgical correction. And I am choosing this. I am choosing surgical correction for her. The other options I don't want to entertain. I'm not willing to not have the surgery. And another thought I think to think on purpose is 
I don't need to know the future to be happy. I don't. I don't need to know what's going to happen. And I don't need to know um, all the details of our hospital stay in order to plan for my future. I don't need to know what's going to happen to be happy. And I want to feel happy. I want to spend the next few months before surgery not feeling dread, not being unhappy. I want to spend most of my time feeling happy and some of my time feeling the other negative emotion. I don't want it to take up my whole life. So that's why I like to think that on purpose. The next one I think is I'm allowed to feel whatever comes up. When I start getting hard on myself for feeling stressed or anxious, I say, wait, Courtney, don't you remember? You're allowed to feel this. And I'm like, oh yeah, thank you, self. Another one is I can be afraid and brave at the same time. I don't like the phrase, we have to put on a brave face. That's so silly. No, you don't. You can be brave and afraid. You can be brave and worried, right? We can be brave and channel other emotions as well. I don't like the negative emotions to take the driver's seat, but I can recognize them that they're in the passenger seat or maybe even better yet, the trunk. (laughs) And speaking of my car analogy, my last one I like to think on purpose and remind myself is that fear is not going to be in the driver's seat. Fear does not need to be around all the time. Another thing I do to not argue with reality is I talk openly to myself and to my husband about the possibilities of the surgery. And this is really interesting because our brains only want to focus on the negative. That's just like a generalized fact, but especially when we're in something like this, like a emotionally heightened situation where we are going to feel the effects of emotional stress. And your brain wants to give you and remind you constantly of the negative possibilities. And so I've practiced recognizing those negative ones and then following up with two or three positive outcomes because they're all possible, right? So when my brain offers me yeah, well, what if she has a stroke after surgery? I say, yeah, that is possible. I don't argue with myself. Do not argue with yourself. Get curious instead. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why I'm focusing on that specific outcome. Because it is a real possibility, right? There's some truth to that. I know I could Google a statistic about strokes after heart surgery. I'm not going to do that to myself, but I could. So instead I say, yeah, that is possible, Courtney. And you know what is also possible? Is that she doesn't have a stroke. How about that? It's also possible that surgery goes well and there's very little complications. And it's also possible we have one complication and it's also possible we have two complications, right? I try to really play with it in a very respectful way. I'm not trying to deny the seriousness of the situation, but I want to show my brain that there are other possibilities and they're not all negative, right? 
And I want to challenge you medical moms out there. If you are struggling with this, where your brain is constantly going to that negative, like, oh, there's all these possibilities, all these side effects. What if this happens? What if this happens? If that's where your brain is going, one, don't argue with yourself. Number two, spend as much time that you're spending on the negative as the positive. So if you just spent like 10 minutes zoning out, thinking of all the negative things that could happen, you recognize that and spend another 10 minutes thinking about all the positive things that will go on too, because they're all possible. They're all possible. Spend just as much time considering what could work out for your child and for yourself. Okay, my last tip, number three, is to own your choices. Okay, own the choice that they are having surgery or whatever procedure that it is that they're doing. Own your decision to have the surgery. Last summer when we postponed surgery, I started feeling very anxious about surgery, which is ironic because we had just postponed it. But I was feeling very scared. And I, it centered around the possibilities of complications. And I was throwing a big pity party for myself. I started to feel very frustrated that we even had to have the surgery in the first place. Until one day I stopped myself and I said, hey, wait a second. We keep spiraling because you're not taking responsibility for your thoughts, Courtney. You're just going wild up here. Just like the two-year-old with a Sharpie. And then I asked myself, what is the alternative to surgery? I asked myself this because I knew there wasn't one I wanted to entertain. I am choosing to have surgery for my daughter. And I said to myself, I want Zola to have surgery. Yes, All of the other negative emotion that I need to process, the fear, is valid. But at the end of the day, I am going to choose this surgery. If they said, hey, do you still want to have this Fontan procedure? I'm going to say yes. We do want Zola to have this procedure. Because it is the only known option at this point. And that is the hard part, the challenging part of being a medical mom. We are put in these situations And by taking ownership over these decisions we've made, we feel less insignificant. And I'm not talking about being famous or a celebrity or anything like that. But when you feel like all of these circumstances are happening to you, we feel very small. We feel like we have no other choices and that it's too overwhelming and too much to handle. But I'm telling you, it's not too much to handle. And I know you can handle whatever happens. And they also know you actually do have other choices. You have the option of saying no to surgery. You have the option of saying no to a lot of things. But if we unpacked that all, we would be having the surgery. And I remind myself of this often. I tell myself, I want Zola to have surgery. And I want her to do this because of the benefits it has. And it does outweigh the risks. And yes, there are risks. And yes, it's okay to be afraid of them. 
and I will still choose to have the surgery for her. I am choosing this with intention, right? I'm not making this decision willy-nilly. I'm not making this decision without contemplating it. These are serious decisions that I'm making for my child, and I am still choosing it. Alongside our care providers and my husband, who all care for Zola's well-being. And together, this is the best option. This is what I help my clients recognize and feel empowered by. Because this confidence that I've been able to build did not come overnight. It came with practicing skills and tools. And I help my clients sort through the thoughts that are unhelpful for them to be believing about their child or a a procedure or a circumstance that they find themselves in. And sometimes those thoughts that you're thinking just feel like the truth. Like, this is so unfair. Why do we have to go through this? That kind of just feels true, right? And so my clients and I work together to kind of find those sneaky thoughts and help create ones that will actually make you feel so much better, so much more empowered, so much more confident. So that way, when you are channeling or in a challenging circumstance, you aren't feeling like you're tossed in the wind because you are grounded by those tools, right? That's the kind of medical motherhood I want to create in this world where we feel equipped and confident in tools and strategies to go in to a season where it's challenging that we are not being tossed in the wind. So when you are recognizing that you are making an intentional decision about your child's medical care, this will help you feel more grounded. You will be able to channel peace, which I have found supersedes happiness. I would much rather actually feel peace about my child's medical decisions than happy. It also invites calmness to an emotionally heightened time. Some days I'm scared. Sometimes I feel prepared. I just allow it all. I stay present in my day where I have Zola happy and healthy right in front of me by not letting myself spiral and argue with my reality. These are the circumstances I'm in and I'm not going to argue with them. What I am going to do is find the thoughts and mindset that will help me feel and show up my best. And lastly, I own the choices that I have made in the past for Zola and that I am making currently. I own them all. These are the three things I use daily to keep me grounded and to feel peace. And my hope as a life coach and as a medical mom is that you can use these tools for you too. So that when you are in a challenging season or even in your day-to-day life, you can apply these and feel grounded and feel peace. All right, mamas, I will see you all next week. Bye-bye. 
Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Medical motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but I've created the next best thing. My one-on-one coaching program offers all the support and strategies you need to handle all the things that come up for us medical moms. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your free consultation to see how coaching can help you take everything from the podcast to the next level. You'll get free coaching and I'll take great care of you. I'll see you there.